another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Halstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm good. I'm sitting here being very impressed with your microphone technique there as I see you <laughs> leaning back the more you're projecting. So well done, Mr. Whitesides. Hey, that's How are you years doing? of training on that one, damn it. <laughs> yeah, you're having yourself a morning, aren't you? Uh, yes, as you saw earlier, as before we got rolling with the tape here, I fell over in the chair onto the floor. <laughs> and before that? Froze my ass off on the ski hill. There you go. Yeah, that's that's too much activity already, man. Yeah, so. minus 15C is pretty chilly out. That's not too normal. It's uh, That's a little frosty, and I can relate to that because that's a European temperature. Or yes. the rest of the world temperature. <laughs> right, everywhere <laughs> but maybe the U.S. Yeah. Should we dive in? As long as the water's going to be warm and I can get my fingers back to an appropriate playing ability, yes. That's good. Well, today we have a listener request that we we're tackling. Do. We have a request from listener David who asked a three-pronged question about IRs, impulse responses. And we're going to answer two of those in this particular episode. Yeah, so hopefully that's helpful still there, David, but we will tackle the third part at a later date because that gets a little bit trickier and more in-depth. <laughs> yes. Yeah, We're talking about impulse responses. So Jody, what the heck is an impulse response? An impulse response is a audio file that is a creation of some sort of sound source. Minus the actual sound that created the vibe of the sound source. That's right. the so, easiest definition that I can give of that. Yeah. I like to think of it as a sort of like, well, it's really as a capture, but sort of like a snapshot of a sound. And I think of IRs in primarily two ways, which I think is the, the most popular uses by far. And that is either the sound capturing of a physical space for in the case of we're going to use it as a reverb or obviously a piece of gear, but also for guitar and bass cabinets. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the big two uses that we get. So yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, IRs today, we, you know, it's, when was the last time you did something and when you didn't use an IR? <laughs> Probably before I even knew what an IR was. Yeah. It's been yeah, a long, long time. It Real has. long time. Yeah. Anything that I've ever done that has an electric guitar has an IR in it. Anything that I use these days, generally speaking with a reverb, most likely if it isn't the original piece of gear or the plug-in representing that piece of gear, it's an IR. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Got me thinking a little bit when this really started, but... I remember there was that NAM show when you were all up in flames about red wires. And it was well, through it, Studio Devil. Yes, it was that came Studio from Mark Devil. Gallo. That was yeah. his doing. That is he is the reason that I became an IR nut. <laughs> <laughs> well, he set you on the path. Anyway. He certainly did, yes. Yeah. With all the talk about what, what they actually are, but how do we use them? Well, you know, we need to have either it's a a dedicated you know, reverb that like in we're logic users. So we have one that's called Space Designer that is an IR reverb. You can load your own IRs in 
to it as well. But well, I wouldn't just call it an IR reverb. Space Designer is literally an IR player. Yeah, it's a loader. In. You can load any. Yeah, you can load any IR into it. Mm-hmm. But it's, and I did. <laughs> yes, I went nuts. Of course, you with did that many years ago. Yeah, no, I used to have an extensive list of IRs that were from that. And I remember the explosion when they kind of coming out, and everybody on the Runkle were putting out IRs for different. It was at that point, it was really, really hip to do classic pieces of gear because that hadn't really been done yet, taken off yet, I suppose. Yes, and people were creating them. But the first big player that I remember on that market was AudioEase's Altiverb. Yes, but they and were think- strictly designed around using Altiverb's impulse responses from yes. AudioEase. And right. also Speakerphone was another plugin that they had. I don't know if they still make that one that also made use of their proprietary impose responses cuz they are not the same as everybody else's. Yeah. You can't I'm load sure the underlying yeah, the- IR into Space Designer or some other IR player at least back in the day. You probably can now but I don't even bother. Now that what's there is so good, but you can obviously roll your own, but but that's sorry David, that's the one thing that we're not really going to go in depth to today. But uh, they are very very useful and besides Reverbs, obviously guitar cabs and bass cabs or any kind of cab, really, we can capture an impulse response, meaning that we're capturing the sound of the cabinet with a microphone in front of it. So a lot of variables there, right? And that's why it's really, really popular with, with guitar players and things where we're using so many amp sims and things and we can change up the cabinet the microphone, the microphone positioning, all of these variables that we have to recreate the tone that we want. Mm -hmm. So it's tremendous amount of flexibility. Well, let's go back and kind of continue on with some of the concepts of how we actually make use of these IRs from just a technical standpoint. The first thing we got into was the Logic Space Designer being an IR player. Yeah. Then there is also STL Tones makes NADIR, Nadir, I guess would be the way you'd say it. Yeah, SDL Tones awesome. are the ones that are sort of offering that right now. It was a different developer, and the the, the name escapes me, uh, but it was another. Like, but that is actually a free IR loader that you can get. And you can't beat free if you need an IR loader right there. Yeah, and that's a pretty handy one, actually, because I messed around with it a little bit myself, and it's very much geared towards guitar players, obviously being from SDL Tones, right, mm-hmm. where... You could load other IRs as well, of course, but it allows you to load two of them and you can blend in between them. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So you could have that two mic'd guitar cap type of thing and do your blending in there. So that, that that's really, really handy. But there were other ones as well. Yeah. Lancaster Audio has Pulse and we mentioned Space Designer, but there, there's really an abundance of Well, of, one that we should go mentioning because both of us, or at least I know I do, you have used it in the past. That is the Mix IR plugin from Redwires. Oh, which absolutely. Is very, very geared towards guitar players. I mean, it's technically a guitar player IR plugin. Yeah. And there's a very substantial difference between version two and version three, which is now the current version. Version three is much more graphical. And I don't know if I, uh, it is a result of people bugging him, but it became 
a way to do it in a visual representation where you could see the mic that you wanted, the cabinet you wanted, where you wanted it on the cab and how far away from it. Yeah. And then you can run those all together in one big long list and blend amongst them. It's a little different, but it's substantially more tweakable. I think than what it was in. Well, I think two. it's certainly easier to tweak now. It's yes. easier to wrap Much your head around. It's, it's less cumber. Yeah, it's less cumbersome to keep going back and dragging other impulse responses in there. I remember that because it, it, the red wires are really, really extensive. I mean, the, <laughs> the mic insanity. options and cabinet <laughs> options it is really insane. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the manual for the first one where it actually stated. And I'm paraphrasing here, but this is not designed for you to go through every single one. You know, that's completely <laughs> unnecessary. But it was there. Yes, it was there it was. for everything. And everything was moved from being right on the grill to like half an inch. And then it moved out in one inch, one inch increments. increments and then in different positions of the yeah. cone and cap. And, and also so. at different angles, whether it was straight facing straight on or at a 45 degree angle, the off axis. What, was the off-axis ones in the initial one as well? Yeah. I don't recall. Yeah, yeah they were. Not, oh. I mean, it wasn't extensive in terms like every mic didn't have the off-axis, but a good portion of them did. Now, the great thing about the Mix IR plugin and the Space Designer is that it doesn't matter how many impulse responses you put in there, they do not bog down. They don't yeah. change their, their latency. In terms of one other particular IR loader, it was by Two Notes, I think, called Wall of Sound. Yeah. Is that the one? They yeah. also had yeah. a graphical interface that looked really cool. But as soon as you started adding like more than two impulse responses, the latency on that plugin went up drastically. But in all fairness, that was a – I'm not sure if that was the actual release or if it was V1 or maybe that was even a beta that we were doing. So that may have been you know, rectified in later versions. And now I'm assuming it has, but the red wires cabinets are, are really snappy. And yeah, there's no latency. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's fast. It's fast, fast, fast. So, so yeah, so I'm, that's for – well, you – said it so well there. I mean, everything about that particular plugin, and I, I can't say for sure, but I think that a lot of amp sims, initial amp sims that came out actually used the red wires impulse responses in their plugins. It's my understanding yeah. that a lot of guys actually licensed to use the red wires impulse responses. They're right. just amazing impulse responses. Yeah. To, it, you know. yeah. And today it doesn't mean that there's there aren't any other ones out there. There's a lot of them. We'll, we'll talk about there them are. a little bit down the line here. But, but just, just to give Mike a little love, Mike from, from Red Wires, the guy did a brilliant job. I mean, there's yeah. just no question about it. And the only reason why, as mentioned earlier, that I know about them has to do with Mark Gallo from Studio Devil. Yeah. Maybe we're while we're on the guitar subject here then, mm-hmm. maybe we'll exhaust that a little bit more before we go in and talk about more IRs and reverbs. Sound like a plan? Sure. The question is then, well, why would you use an IR? Well, it's the initial thing is to me is like, well, if you're unless you're Joe Bonamassa, you're not going to have this extensive collection of cabinets and mics at your disposal. So having multiple IRs substitutes that in your recording process. 
So you can try it out with a different cabinet. You can try it out with a different microphone. All the different combinations. Combinations thereof and the placements of the mics to that cabinet will give you a lot of options that you wouldn't normally have. That's the first thing, just experimentation and see what, well, what does it sound like with, you know, a greenback in here? Or should we try a creamback? Should we go with a different type of uh, speaker cone? And, and that will have a massive impact on your sound, obviously, as we know. The big thing in terms of, especially since you're talking about guitar and bass cabs, oftentimes when you get a guy like, say, Al Schmidt, and I've told this story before where Steve Lukather wanted Al Schmidt to come over to his studio just to like give him the inside notes on how does he get all these great recording sounds. And he's like, uh, Al went out into the room and he changed the mic just a little bit, came back and listened, changed it a little bit more, changed it again. And all of a sudden, boom, there it was. No EQ, no compression, no nothing. It was just by placement of the mic and where it was on the cabinet. And that was it. And that's reality of what's going on. A lot of the times, if you have a guitar sound and you're listening to it in your mix and you're using impulse responses, you can save yourself a plethora of time by getting the right impulse response first. Absolutely. Because it changes the EQ characteristic and the depth and the value of the guitar inside a mix by trying out different placements with different mics and different cabinets, depending on the cabinet you want. Yeah. That's just simple reality. It, it, changing the mic placement is drastic for the EQ. Very drastic. Yeah. yeah. And if you can save yourself the time of having to actually EQ something just by moving a microphone around on the source, and in this case, the source being the impulse response, you save yourself a buttload of time. It's insane. Yeah. It's something that I always do when I try out different amp sims and things. I always leave, and I know I did this in like a Tuesday tip at one point, where I leave all the controls at 12 o'clock and then choose the IR first. Mm -hmm. Once I'm in the ballpark there, then you start tweaking, as opposed to I feel like if I dial in a tone for whatever IR is pulled up and then start changing the IRs, I, I'm sort of chasing my own tail because everything is going to change so drastically with the IR. So it gives that tremendous amount of flexibility again, right? Yep. With choosing and finding your tone. And another really, really important part of this as well is the consistency when you're doing something. Let's say that you are, and this ties into a little bit of capturing your own type of thing, but let's say that you are tracking somewhere with you know, a certain signal. We have this cabinet and the 57 is sitting right there and so far off the grill or whatever. Should you need to go back and do overdubs and things at a later date, that'd be very tricky to reproduce. Mm -hmm. So if you take the time to create an IR from that, now you got that solved. Right? Now you have that cabinet and mic available to you at all times by just pulling it up. So going down the line, creating an, a library of these, or if you have your own library, which is obviously a little bit easier, or I shouldn't say having your own library, but having a library of IRs at your availability, you, you the consistency there. Well, that's the for, main reason why I jumped over to using computers and direct recording Yeah, is because of the consistency. Right. I knew that when I pull this sound up from 10 years ago, I'm still going to get that exact same sound today. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't change unless I want it to change, which to me is super duper handy. 
Yeah. And this goes on to, you know, what we like to say when we're DIing stuff, that just having the flexibility. So let's say that you have done, you know, a recording with a cab and your head mic'd up and it's sounding great at the time. Come mix down, you might find that that doesn't necessarily work that much. Having the flexibility, if you didn't capture DI signal, you're kind of screwed because it's hard to change the tone. You can only change it so much with EQ and stuff, right? right. Or if it's just the wrong tone. It's so just easier to reamp if you have a DI signal. And we've actually discussed that on a previous episode. So go back yeah. and listen to them too. <laughs> right. But it's, yeah, it is that whole thing with just having the IRs, just flexibility again. I keep saying the same thing, flexibility, 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 but that's really what it is. And it's also the ability to, to go back to that same thing when we know oh, that tone worked great with this IR. Mm-hmm. whatever. So big fan, big fan of IRs. There you go. <laughs> Let's take a word from our sponsor. And we're back. We're going to dive back in real quick by talking about who makes guitar cab and bass cab impulse responses. What do you got, Chris? The big one for me and you as well, we already mentioned, it's Red Wires. Yep. This huge library. I'm a big fan of all those. Own Hammer makes them. Mm. Yep. Joey Sturgis tones, they have libraries of that. Jens Bogren, who is a Swedish producer, primarily known for his metal stuff. And his company, Jens Bogren Digital, they have libraries from this as well. Mm-hmm. ML Sound Lab. There's a ton of them out there. I can think know. of another, but it's usually a more user-centric one, and that's bias. Yeah. Yeah. So you see that there's so many out there that we can have. And I think almost to the point of you know, that hinted at in the uh, Red Wires manual there, that it can be very easy to get overwhelmed with these. Of course. Well. And you think that, oh, I have, to, I have to get the next one. I have to get the next one. I think of these for my own use, almost like I think of other plugins and stuff. It's not necessarily to have every IR library out there. And you're, you're now you're just collecting IRs, right? Bite your tongue. Get, I already do that. <laughs> I know you do. But if you have a few that work for you, then great. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement or you can experiment with different things. But I would say it's a little bit of a word of caution because it is such a jungle out there with these. Like, Get some that you think sound really, really good and use them. And then when you see a need to kind of expand or want to experiment, you know, do that. I mean, a lot of times these libraries aren't, you know, especially with these... I hesitate to say smaller developers, but it's not like you're plunking out hundreds of dollars on this kind of stuff. It's relatively cost effective, but it still adds up if you're not end up using them. So that is true. You want to make sure that yeah. you use what you get. Yes, exactly. But right. they are IRs. Again, big fan. I'm brave. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm a big fan of IRs. <laughs> but we've uh, we discussed a, a plethora of this already about the guitar and bass caps. But the other area where these are really useful is in spatial and reverb type effects. And we've mentioned ones, actually two so far, with Space Designer and the AudioEase Altiverb that are generally very commonly used. But what are some of the others in the reverb sector that tend to be used? Well, I use one that is Verb Suite Classics. Uh That is a um, collaboration between Slate Digital and Liquid Sonics. Right. That's one I use all the time. It's based on a little bit of a proprietary 
IR processing, what they call fusion IRs, where I believe they use several IRs of the same source and have some sort of like morphing compatibility there mm. that you can do. That's one. Waves have their own. Waves IR1 yep. is a reverb as well. And again, there's so many out there. Those are the big ones that I tend to think of. I think Avid has their own one as well, and there are free alternatives out there also. So if you're just getting into this, something to, to try out as well. But IRs now with reverb, to me, is almost like one of those things where I'm not really thinking about that I'm actually using an IR. You know what I mean? It's, like, mm. it's just there in the plug-in, and that's the space. Sure. So I know from past experience in trying to collect IRs, I have IRs of the Brucasti reverb. Oh, I have those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And such. And of course, Brucasti makes really amazing sounding reverbs. And their units are, well, they have a price to go with that. <laughs> yeah. If it's going to taste, it's going to cost. Right? That's right. So having the impulse response gives you a, a taste of what that's like. So you can slobber after getting a Brucasti unit. The idea there is kind of along the same lines. I used to collect a lot of them, but yeah. now I don't concern myself with collecting lots of reverb IRs anymore, mostly due to having recreated plug-in versions of some of the sought-after reverb units that I would like to have. And that makes it a lot easier to not necessarily need an impulse response of that reverb, but rather just have the plug-in version of that reverb so that it works just the way I would rather have it. So Yeah, there is that. And I think Sometimes you're, I'm assuming you're, you're talking about, let's say, for example, like the UA versions of like the 224 or something or like that, right? But, and I wonder- Or even the EMT those, plates, that kind of thing. And the Sure. But, but aren't those based on IRs? I have not delved into the technology of how UA created them, so I can't say. But I'm guessing there is, but it's just that you don't have access to the actual impulse response because I think a lot of times they are- in proprietary formats. So let's say, you know, you can't necessarily go hunt down the, the sample on your drive type of thing and, and use it in a different IR loader because I think they're the way they're read are different. But I'm I'm guessing, I'm just speculating here, but I'm guessing they're based on IR technology that, that is there. Well, I would posit that it's actually probably the actual math in some way, shape, or form from, say, the 480 or the 224, in just as an example of those two. And it's, it's all math, man. Well, yeah. They were <laughs> they were chip-based. They were algorithmic-based. So I'm assuming they somehow recreated the algorithms or got them from the original manufacturer and was able to program it into the plug-in and not using impulse responses to recreate them, so to speak. That's a very good point, yeah. Because they're licensed so, technology and they're using the actual coloration and everything to represent the interface of the plugins. And I would not put it past UA to actually have the clout and the ability to license that directly. This is true, yeah. So, no, that, that's a very good point. You might, but there are others right that would actually take impulse responses from that if they're trying to do a recreation of it. And there are obviously user groups out there where people, people make those IRs. Yeah, they, they actually things. have a certain piece of hardware and they're willing to share it. So mm -hmm. here, you know, go check it out. But I suppose we should touch on here as well, when we're thinking in the reverb camp, mm -hmm. I'm thinking also of 
sort of like two ways of thinking about the IRs. Because we're mentioning now recreations of classic gear. Right. So it's it, it's a certain hardware box that and you're trying to do the words that is, you know, Roland Space Echo or whatever it is, right? But the other one is, and I think this was really came to the forefront with Altiverb, AudioEasis Altiverb, right. where they're taking these IRs of physical spaces. Right. And a lot of times they would be popular studios or giant European churches or whatever. So it had these Sound very stages, very, halls, performance exactly. spaces. Yeah. It's either that that we're recreating a physical space and sort of placing your audio in that space, right? Oh, wouldn't it be awesome if we had these sitting in the Hansa room in Germany or something? Right? Well, I certainly you, did a lot of that using Altiverb, recreating orchestral setups for yeah, doing sure. orchestral type recordings. And they have a very extensive way of how you put something together, orchestrally speaking, to make it sound like it's in that space where you set up your source and they have like a 3D speaker setup that allows you to shift the speaker setup around of where your string section is and where your bass section is and where your timpani are and such that you have this initial part done with short presence and value to the plugin, and then you run everything through a final altiverb that is the actual hall that you're putting it in. Right. So you get the spatial relationship of the initial upfront attack, and then you get the sound of the environment that you're in with the tail end of everything. Yeah. And that, when you do that, and guys that know how to do that extremely well, can make hyper realistic, convincing orchestral arrangements for recordings that you yeah. wouldn't know are all sample based. You know, again, there's a tremendous amount of flexibility with that because just as with access to different cabs and mics and things when it comes to the, the guitar or, or bass cab thing. There are spaces that you may not be privy to, if, as it were. Right? <laughs> I want to record in Abbey Road, man. Yeah. So, hey, I got an IR for that. That's another, obviously, giant benefit of doing that. You can also, it's very easy to fall down that rabbit hole, though, you know, where you're like, oh, let's try this one. Let's try this one. And let's try this one. And it's kind of like trying out different snare drums, right? Now, an hour has gone by, nothing you've done is listening to different reverbs, right? And then you kind of <laughs> lose the plot there. So, How often but, have uh, you done that? Lately, not often at all. But in the beginning, mm. yeah. So, ooh, that sounds cool. Uh, I wonder what it sounds like if I put this in Taj Mahal, you know? <laughs> so, oh, that was interesting. Oh, the day's gone by now? Well, I didn't get any mixing done today, you know? Yeah. So... That does happen. But again, with with the classic piece of gear versus real space, this is, is a real benefit. Um, and like we've done a lot of talk about reverbs the last few episodes, actually. It is that where you, um, you Well, the spatial quality of, of mix or recording is a very big deal. Sure. So, But I'm saying that, again, getting aspect. access to, you know, we can have the idea of where we talked about neoverb. Mm -hmm. which is as far away from that as you would think, right? It's not a classic piece of gear. It's a very much an algorithmic, modern type of reverb. 
using an IR is not that, right? We're wanting something for the quality of that what it is. That particular space. Yeah. I want to record you know, in a bathroom. Well, somebody got an IR of some bathroom somewhere. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And another thing that is um, a benefit of this, and this a little bit less for music, but let's say post-production, mm-hmm. if you are recording dialogue in a certain place and you want it to sound like a back alley or whatever it is, you have an IR of a back alley. You know, mm-hmm. you can place it in that to get very convincing as, as opposed to... And that was the point of speakerphone, if I'm not mistaken, is to have very specific locations that you could put things in. Yeah, I think speakerphone was geared a little bit more towards the post-production. Es- yeah, and, and a little bit more esoteric. It sounds like speakerphone. It, it would sound like it's coming out of a train station speaker or a Well, the other thing too is it had actual locations where you could be literally, what does it sound like if I put it inside a van and I'm standing outside the van? That would be the sound you could get or vice versa. It was pretty crazy what they could do with speakerphone. A lot of benefits to IRs. And it can be a little confusing, but again, to sort of wrap up the topic of what it actually is, it's just a snapshot of a sound in a certain situation using either certain gear and caps for guitar or bass or a snapshot of a physical space or a piece of gear. And now you could have that in your favorite IR loader. What's not to like? (laughs) It's like kid in a candy store situation. Yeah. And And as we uh, mentioned before at the top and somewhat in the middle, we will do another episode down the line where we actually talk about the different formats and different ways to create actual IRs for your own use. Yeah, because it can get a little hairy and the process differs depending on the type of IR you're trying to capture. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit beyond the scope of one episode here. We'll have to do a separate episode for that. But that's my take on IRs. You got anything that you want to add to that, Jody? No, but I will say it's time for Friday Finds. What are we on today? I discovered something. Let me pose you a question here first. Okay. Did I need a new synth? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. That didn't stop me from getting one, though. Oh. I, I picked up um, DS Audio's Thorn through Plugin Alliance. Mm. Uh, the Did World they give you like your loyalty discount and everything? But of course they did. So it was great. <laughs> now, what sold me on this synth was not necessarily that it had, oh, it was the most convincing Juno sound ever. It wasn't like that at all, but it had a very, very interesting arpeggiator as well as something called a glitch machine. Oh, there's your favorite part right there. There's my, yeah, it instantly took me back to the late 90s with all the glitchy nine-inch nails type of stuff. So, that was something I was like, okay, boom, sold. I got to have this. That's my find for this Friday, the DS Audio Thorn from Plugin Alliance. And what about you, good sir? What do you discover for us? I'm going with Wave Alchemy. They have a drum machine called Triaz. It's actually yeah. just a drum machine. And in terms of drum machines, it comes with a whole lot of modern drum sounds. They say it's over 10,000 samples. That's a lot of That's a lot samples. of samples. It is. And over 600 presets. So they have acoustic sets, electronic sets, 
and just regular old percussion as well in there. Plus, they have some additional synth sounds and Foley sounds. Speaking of creating new spaces. There you <laughs> go. Hearts and such. So the Triaz drum machine is my pick of this week. Very cool. Yeah. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go and post about us on your favorite form. Go to our website as well and leave us a review at insidetherecordingstudio.com forward slash review or just go to insidetherecordingstudio.com and sign up for our email list. Doing so gets you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips that come out every Tuesday and we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. If you send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the letters I R you'll get something cool back in your inbox. And if you have a topic of suggestion like today's episode for us to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. And with that, I'll say see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thanks for listening, people. <laughs> <laughs>